morning, everybody. What a privilege to be uh, preaching to you, not just preaching to you uh, for the first time over Zoom. This is the first time I've done this over Zoom, but also my final RK preach of uh, 2020. So momentous. I mean, let's have a let's have a party or a communion. I'm going to start by reading uh, just one verse. John 15, verse five. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, we're doing P for personal relationship um, today. Obviously, that's our P for pandemic series. So I've, uh, I've crossed out um, pandemic and put personal relationship in. And if we think about it, of all the evidences and, and proofs for, for God, our, our relationship with Jesus is the most difficult to deny on a personal level. So of all the things that you would want to give as a, as a reason why you believe in God, it's your relationship with Jesus, which is the most difficult for you to deny. Even if you know, even if they found bones claiming to be of Jesus, you would still say, well, I know him. I've got this relationship with him. But it's also the it's also the hardest thing to prove. Your relationship with Jesus is the hardest thing to prove, because when people look at you, they can't see your relationship with Jesus. What they can see, though, is the fruit of it. So they can't see the root of your relationship. They can, however, see the fruit of it. And so Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, if you have relationship with me, you will bear much fruit. If you don't, well, you can do nothing without me. The, the point is that the fruit of the root is how we treat other people. So our root is our relationship with Jesus. The fruit of that is how we engage with all our other relationships or oh, rich dolman's gone he hates it already so our relationship with jesus is the root and the fruit of that is our other relationships so people are able to see our relationship with jesus by how we treat them as it says in the bible they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another so how we treat our other relationships is the biggest proof that we have a relationship with jesus the fruit that we produce the fruit that we produce shows the type of plant that we're rooted into. And as, I, as I've said in the past, you, you can tell when you meet people how much time they're spending with Jesus. You can, you can just tell. You spend enough time with someone and you can tell what sort of relationship they have with Jesus by the fruit that they're producing. Um, I, was, I used to live in Huddersfield and I was in Huddersfield uh, Town Centre once when Huddersfield Town had just won the playoff final to get promoted to the Premiership. It's about four years ago now. And... Um, I wasn't watching the match. I'd gone for a cheeky Nando's. But this guy came racing out of the of a bar after the match. And he came racing up to me. He said, hey, mate, isn't it great news? We're in t -t Premiership, isn't it great news? That is a fantastic Huddersfield accent, by the way. It is also my uh, generic northern accent. So if this had happened in Sunderland, it would be exactly the same voice. He said, isn't it great news? And um, I said, well, it's good for you, I suppose. Before I had a chance to respond, he, he raced off to tell somebody else and I thought oh my gosh I've just met an evangelist I've met an evangelist for Huddersfield Town because this guy was so 
full of joy at what he'd just witnessed, that he couldn't wait to tell people about it. I could tell how he felt about Huddersfield Town by the way he spoke to me about, about that thing. So I could see the fruit which proved the root. Um, now, my style of preaching, as most of you will have worked out, is to um, evangelistic preaching anyway, when I'm preaching to um, people not calling themselves Christians, is to rather than try and prove what I already believe, is to ask them what they believe and then try and show that Jesus makes the most sense of what they already believe. So, um, you know, the Declaration of American Independence said we hold these truths to be self-evident. So what I like to find out what people consider to be self-evident truths and then to say, OK, I will use that to show you that Jesus makes the most sense of that. Whatever it is, because I think actually, you know, the gospel is wired into the into the cosmos. So there's always a navigable, navigable path towards um, finding Jesus. And I want to I want to look at two things today that will help us understand that we were wired for relationship with with Jesus, that that's what we were made for. We were made for relationship with God. And the two things I want to look at, which when we consider them are fairly self-evident. First of all, that, you know, you're wired for a relationship. So, you know, whatever you believe about God, you know, you're wired for relationship. You desire relationship. And the reason why so many people are struggling in this pandemic is because all of our community has been exterminated. We're not we're not with people. We're surrounded on all sides by nothing. And it is having such a huge effect. That's because we are wired to be with people, to be in community, to be in fellowship. The, the second thing which I want to talk about, and I'll talk about that first, is that not only are you wired for relationship, but the universe is wired for you. So the universe is wired for you. It's Christmas and around this time of year, what I'm going to be doing, uh, as I'm sure Carl is, some, you know, Christmas talks for different churches. And it's the time of year where people say, how could something that happened 2000 years ago on the other side of the world have any relevance to me? I hear that a lot. But and it's a good question. But something that happened 13.8 billion years ago on the other side of the universe has relevance for you, which is that the universe was created finely tuned. I'm gonna explain what I mean by that. I'm gonna keep it nice and light and we are gonna, um, it's all linked to the personal relationship thing. So when the universe was created 13.8 billion years ago, it was finely tuned for life. I've got an advent calendar um, I hope you have too. I've got the um, the Lint Advent calendar. You know that lovely Swiss chocolate. I've got the Lint Advent calendar. It's brilliant. I'm currently up to the 17th of December, um, and it's delicious. When you get an Advent calendar, you find that the chocolates are specifically wedged into the doors. So the doors are designed to hold the chocolate. When they make the calendar, they have in mind the chocolate that they're going to put into it, and so they make the calendar accordingly. It's the same with the universe. When the universe was created, it was specifically designed to contain the life that we find. So it's as though someone gave you a universal advent calendar with chocolate in it, just the right size, 
for you to enjoy. There are about 30 different forces, and we're only going to talk about one of them, about 30 different forces present in the Big Bang that had they been even slightly fluctuated would not have allowed for life to exist. So there would have been something, but there wouldn't have been a life permitting universe. So um, let's look at gravity. Gravity wasn't invented by Isaac Newton. It was discovered by Isaac Newton. You can actually go to his house. It's on the M1, it's on the A1. Uh, it's about an hour and a half away. It's a bit boring. It's just a house that he used to live in. And uh, you can go outside and um, there's a tree, there's an apple tree there. And it says, this, this is an apple tree similar to one that Isaac Newton would have sat under. Okay, so not, not the tree then, You're just an apple. I've just paid seven pounds per person to look at an apple tree. I could have gone to an orchard and done it for free. Gravity, um, we're gonna look at. Gravity is universal superglue. So every atom in the universe has a, a gravitational pull attached to it. And gravity basically keeps us, keeps everything together like superglue. Um, had there been in the initial Big Bang slightly less or slightly more gravity, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna come to the exact wiggle room that we've got, but had there been slightly less or slightly more gravity in the universe, um, the universe as we know it could not have existed. Life could not have existed. You know, when you're trying to use super glue to put up a, a coat hook, if you don't put enough super glue on, you know, you put a kid's hat on the coat hook and it comes down. You put too much super glue on and, you know, you put a coat on and the, the hook will stay attached to the wall, but the whole wall will come down. You've got to have that right amount of super glue. You know, once a wall coming down, you can see Maureen from next door sitting on the toilet. No one wants that, do they? So it's about having the right amount of super glue, the right amount of gravitational pull in the universe. What sort of wiggle room are we looking at? So scientists will tell you that gravity, had gravity been off by one to the power one in 10 to the power of 60, then life would not have been permissible in the universe. So had, had gravity been off by one in 10 to the power of 60, that's one with, that's 10 with 60 noughts after it, life wouldn't have been permissible. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you had a, a tombola um, full of white balls, not just a number of white balls, but one trillion, 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 trillion white balls in it. And then somebody puts a black ball in there. So you've got one black ball and then one trillion, 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 trillion white balls. The chances of life being permissible in the universe is the same chance as you putting your hand in blindfolded to that tombola and picking out the one black ball. Now we're not saying therefore Christianity is true, but we are just saying at this point that the chances of life being permissible are infinitesimally small. And at this point, somebody will often jump up from behind a crate or a barrel and say, ah, but somebody wins the lottery. So the argument would be that, you know, 
we just got lucky. We are that, you know, infinitesimal chance. But we're not just saying that it's the chances of somebody putting the hand into a tombola and picking out any white ball. It's the fact that we pick that one ball that allows for life to happen. In the same way, if we got to get, if we entered the FA Cup, if we, if Redeemer King entered the FA Cup, like we would still get odds of winning it. Maybe it would be um, one, you know, in a trillion, 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 trillion. We'd still get odds on that. If we then went on to win the FA Cup, nobody would be saying, oh, well, somebody had to win it. You know, they just got lucky, you know, the Redeemer King Rascals or whatever they're called. Like, no one would be believing that. No one would be saying, oh, well, to be honest, it's just as likely that Janet Brassington would score a hat-trick at Old Trafford as, as anybody else doing it. No. If we won the FA Cup with those odds, you would have to say this is rigged. It is a fix. And it's the same with the universe. Fred Hoyle, who's actually the guy who, who coined the term Big Bang, he's an atheist or was an atheist. He said, common sense suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with the physics, chemistry and biology of the universe, allowing for life to exist. The reality is the universe is rigged in your favor. The universe is rigged in your favor. It didn't have to be as it is. You are that black ball. We are that one black ball in a trillion, 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 trillion white balls. The universe is rigged in your favor. Why is it rigged in your favor? Somebody said, well, why would, it, why would a God create a universe with such a small chance of us being here? because you're worth it, to show you that you are worth it. So that's the end of um, part one. I'm just going to have a, a segment of orange. Why you think about part one? On to part two now. Mmm. That's nice orange. I might put this in my communion wine and make it kind of mould. Part two. In the same way that the... Um, the universe would collapse without the right balance. So would you. So the universe will collapse without the right balance. It will either overinflate. Again, if gravity had been just slightly off, it would have either inflated into nothingness or imploded back into itself. And so will you. If you don't have the right balance, you will fail to exist in the way that you were supposed to. In 1937 at Harvard University, they did something called the Grant Study, where they, um, they took 300 um, men from Harvard University and they observed them throughout, their, um, throughout the next couple of decades. And they went through the, the Second World War, through marriages, divorces, um, children, successes, failures. And the thing that they concluded at the end was that, and this is a quote, the only thing that really matters in life is our relationship with other beings. The only thing that really matters in life is our relationship with other beings. That was the, the findings of the study. The universe is wired for you. It's wired for us. But Earth is not the physical center of the universe. In the same way, you 
are wired for relationship. But life is not a story about you. The most oppressive belief that anybody can have is that the most important relationship in their life is with themselves. This is what we are told by Hollywood, by uh, a lot of these, you know, Instagram influences. You've got to be true to yourself, self-care, all of that. It, it's so overblown. The most oppressive relationship you can have, the most oppressive belief you can have is that the most important relationship is with yourself. Because in the same way that the universe will overinflate or implode if it's not balanced rightly, if you believe that you are the most important person in the universe, you will overinflate in terms of your sense of self-importance. Your ego will inflate. And then when you get rejected, as you inevitably will, you will implode, implode, implode into yourself with bitterness and resentment. You are like the universe in that there is a balance to be found. But don't worry, because the universe is rigged for you to find this balance. We are all wired. I think we would all agree in whatever worldview, we're all wired to desire that state of being where all shall be well. Everybody wants that. However, they, wherever they think they're going to get it, human beings are wired to want and desire that state of being where all shall be well, where you feel that completeness. Everybody wants that. And this is why, by the way, addiction is so powerful. Because addiction, in the, in the exhilaration during the throes of addiction, whatever that addiction is, the exhilaration you get in the throes of addiction gives you a glimpse, albeit a false glimpse, of that state of being where all is well, doesn't it? It gives you a tiny glimpse where for just a tiny second, all is well, I am complete, I am in control. That's why addiction is so powerful, because it gives us a false prophecy of what we know we're wired for, which is that state of being where all shall be well. Some people think that if I get success or if I get money, then all shall be well. This, 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 will, be, this will be the relationship that I'll prioritize. prioritize. My prioritize I will prioritize my relationship with, with money or success. People think that that's where they'll get that state of well-being. Um, there's a, a guy called Jack Whitaker in the States in 2002, he won the biggest ever lottery win in uh, American history. He won 113 million pounds cash. So that's after tax. He won 113 million pounds cash and it destroyed him. He, um, he basically realized that all of his relationships changed because people only wanted money from him. He got uh, robbed, um, he he had he gave his granddaughter a stipend like a huge amount of money each month um and she attracted the wrong crowd and she eventually became embroiled in in drugs and herself took an overdose and and died from that uh he got divorced his house was burned down his car was stolen on several occasions um and someone really close to him at the end of his life he died this year said the problem was he became incredibly boastful the money made him incredibly boastful jeremiah 9 24 says for the one who should boast boast that they have the understanding to know me 
Jeremiah 9, 24. For the, for the one who would boast, boast that they have the understanding to know me. So the Bible is saying there's only one thing worth boasting about, and that's knowing God. There's only one thing worth boasting about. There's only one thing that's going to bring you that sense of well-being, that state where all is well, and it's knowing God. That's the only thing worth boasting about. So this guy had more money than you could shake a stick at, and it didn't bring happiness. It brought destruction because the thing that he was wired for, his relationships were decimated. Most of us seek that fullness, that fulfillment in, in romantic relations. You're saying most of us, I mean, people in general. Most people seek that wholeness in um, romantic relationship. And they'll say, people will say, I'm looking for that one person who will love me unconditionally, no matter what I've done or who I am. And I've heard people say, oh, I can't. I can't tell that person who I really am, because if, if they knew who I really was, then they'd reject me. Again, it's all part of our wiring. We are wide, wired to go after, to desire and go after the one relationship where we will be fully loved, even as we are fully known. These things are, are hidden in plain sight. And most of us look for it in romantic relationship. Obviously, the ultimate love story is Romeo and Juliet, the Montagues and and the Capulets of Verona and Romeo and Juliet fell in love to the point where they were willing to die. And again, they, they tragically um, died in act three because of love. It's the ultimate love story, but it's, it's, also, um, it's also a really grim reminder that even the best human relationships, the best human relationships invariably end with one person at the other person's funeral. Even the best human relationships end with one person standing over the casket of another, whether it's marriage or friendship. No human relationship was built to last. Romeo and Juliet is a grim reminder of how life actually is. I'm sorry if some of you seem a little, some of you look really depressed now. It's all right. There's good news to come. I bring you good news of great joy. Just to make it slightly worse, um, if Christianity isn't true, then Romeo and Juliet is not just true romantically, it's also true cosmically and spiritually. Because in any other religion, you are not promised that ultimate loving relationship, either here or hereafter. It does not exist. And so you're wiring, you're wiring for that state of being where you are fully known and fully loved. Your wiring is faulty. Like the universe is lying to you. Your body is lying to you. This is why Christianity is so compelling. Because even if Christianity is false, it's the only story where that thing you know you're wired for is actually promised. It's the only story of hope, even if it's a false hope, it's the only story of hope where you could possibly get what you want. Christianity, the gospel, is the only story where Romeo and Juliet get their fourth act. 
and where the curtain comes down doesn't signify the end, but just the beginning. So even if Christianity is false, it's the most compelling and persuasive story about our wiring. The fact that it's the most compelling story about our wiring suggests to me not actually that it's false, but that our body is rigged in our favor. Our wiring is rigged for us to find that relationship that we were meant for. Um, so why? Why are we wired? Why are we wired for that relationship? Well, because we're worth it. Because we're worth it. Because God wants you to find it. 1 John, 1 John says, we love because he first loved us. The reason we're capable of loving, we desire that loving, is because we are made in the image of God. Right at the start of Genesis, before you leave the first page of Genesis, God says, let us make them in our own image. That means to be in a loving relationship. The Godhead is a trinity. It's interpersonal. It's in relationship. We were wired to be the fourth act in that trinity, if you like. Um, so maybe maybe you've gone through life thinking, well, I thought religion was all was all about rules and, and and regulations. Most religions are, but there's there's one there's one story which is about relationship, which actually offers and then delivers that relationship. And it's not that the God of the Bible doesn't have rules, but whenever God gives a rule, it's a guardian of relationship. So God's rules are guardians of relationship. God's rules and commands are the door supervisors that stop unhelpful things and unhelpful people getting into our relationship with God. So where God sets a boundary, it's for your benefit because he's protecting the relationship that you were meant to have with him. See if this, we're nearly finished now. Um, let me read this. I, I read this this week. See if this sums up the pandemic of 2020. This is just a little quote. With this new scenario, suddenly, shockingly, we are in the presence of rupture. That's how it has felt this year. With this new scenario, suddenly, shockingly, we are in the presence of rupture. Brokenness. Everything suddenly being ruptured and broken. That sums up 2020 for a lot of people. That was written in the 1100s by Saint Anselm, Christian philosopher. And it was written about the crucifixion. That phrase was written about the crucifixion. And when I read that, it just opened my eyes to something which I just should know already, really. With this new scenario, suddenly, shockingly, we are in the presence of rupture. It's about the crucifixion. The point is this, at the point of most brokenness in the cosmos, God was at the center. At the point of ultimate brokenness universally, cosmically, the crucifixion, it was God at the center. It was God's brokenness that then allowed for things to heal. The crucifixion starts the process whereby we get to have that relationship that we were designed for. The crucifixion, the point of most rupture and most 
brokenness is the starting point for healing. Why did God design a universe where life was so unlikely? Because you're worth it. Why did Jesus die? Because you're worth it. These things are all signposts to point us towards him. Gravity is the superglue that keeps the universe together. The cross of Jesus Christ is the superglue that welds us back into that relationship that we were meant for, that we were designed for with our creator. And the cross, again, when the curtain comes down, it's not the end. It's just it's just the beginning. We get our fourth act. We get our requited love. Your relationship with God is, is the one relationship where no amount of self-disclosure will cause rejection. No amount of self-disclosure with God will cause him to reject you. You can be as honest as you like because he knows you fully and he loves you fully regardless. So there's, there's two things. One for us as a church and then one for people. I don't know who's watching because I'm not really... Uh, looking at people but um, for people who may not call themselves Christians and, and people watching the, the recording of this first of all for us as a church we, we have felt totally ruptured and totally isolated so many of us isolated surrounded by by nothingness and it's okay to feel broken because God was broken and the promise of the cross is that resurrection will follow so at our most brokenness and our most broken, we can trust and, and be assured that it's not the end of the story. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst. So even in this place of rupture, even though we're only meeting over Zoom, the Lord our God is in our midst. And we can rejoice about that. In Colossians 2, Paul says, um, hang on, that's Colossians 1. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Paul wanted that for the people who he hadn't met personally. He was contending, praying for the people he hadn't met, couldn't meet personally because he wanted them to be united in love, separate but united in love so they could have the full riches of complete understanding that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So for us as a church, it's it really painful. It really hurts not to be together. But we are still united in love and we can still contend for one another in prayer, continue to stay in contact, go for walks where we can. It's a good thing to do. And then for outsiders, for people, I mean, outside of relationship with Jesus at the moment, for those not calling themselves Christians, I would just encourage you that James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Proverbs 8, 17 says, those who seek me diligently find me. Those who seek me diligently find me. Why do you have to seek diligently? Well, because relationships of that nature can't be casual none of your best relationships are casual they're all important they all take effort they all take commitment they all take diligence if you really want 
that relationship you were made for of unconditional love, you can have it, but you've got to seek diligently for it. But don't worry, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And don't worry about whether you can miss it or whether you'll not find it. Because you know what? The universe is rigged in your favor. The universe is full of signposts to that relationship. It's rigged for such a purpose. You were made for personal relationship with Jesus. May we find it this Christmas. <laughs>